This is an excellent rally for the Cannonball. And oh, wow. Oh, he's got it. Welcome to the Two Doc Chronicles, your one solution to all things squash. I'm Bruce Huberman with co-host Miles McIntyre, here to reveal a game with stories worth listening to. I'd like to welcome everyone to the second season of the Two Doc Chronicles podcast, episode number six, entitled A Squash Icon, Shona Kerr, head women's and men's coach at Wesleyan University. We are so thankful at the Two Doc Chronicles podcast for all who have contributed over the past year and a half. We have tried to produce important content, and uh, I think it's been well-received. And we hope to continue it as we uh, plow through the second season of our podcast. So um, without any further ado, I'd like to bring on our guests. Hi, my name is Shona Kerr. I uh, am the head men's and women's coach at Wesleyan University in Middletown, Connecticut. Hi, my name is David Pullman. I'm the CSA executive director and league commissioner. Really excited to have this platform So um, I really, I, I just really want to welcome you, Shona, to our podcast, and I am so excited. As the days built up to this, I just got more excited, and now it's uh, here. So uh, welcome, and Thank uh, thanks for participating. And um, so for our audience who doesn't really know about Shona Care, why don't you give us a little brief synopsis, um, maybe sure. where you grew up, how you got involved with squash and how you uh, ended up at the uh, Wesleyan University, uh, I, I guess, 19 or 20 years ago. Yeah, so I'll give you the, the short version, which uh, I grew up in the south of England. I moved around a little bit, but generally south of London and uh, had a wonderful uh, squash experience there at the time in the 80s and 90s, where really some of the best squash in the world was being played. So I was very fortunate to be around that. And uh, went to university. I actually studied music, if you can believe it. I uh, resisted this squash path for a little while until I realized it made perfect sense. And uh, after university, I, 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 there were a couple jobs I tried. Nothing really worked out. I figured, you know what, this is what I should be doing. And I uh, put my resume out there on the internet, which was you know, early 2000s. So sometimes it was still dial up at that point. And um yeah, I, I, so I put my resume out there and actually Wellesley College ended up sort of finding my resume through Dartmouth and uh, called me and said, hey, we have a coaching position that's open and we saw your resume and we're interested. And at the time, I uh, I, uh, I was thinking maybe I'll go into teaching music and I really could have gone either way and had both offers on the table and made the decision to, when Wellesley offered me the job to move to the States um, and take that position in 2001. So as the head squash coach for women only, obviously at Wellesley College uh, from 2001 to 2005. Um, at that point, Wesleyan, the Wesleyan position opened up and they just built a brand new, beautiful eight court facility. They were, um, there was just a lot of opportunity that I saw there and threw my application in and, and here I am. So, so at the time, was that for both, the women's and men's teams or was it the women's team and then the men's team came or vice versa? How did that work? 
Yeah, that's a good question. No, I uh, I applied for the head men's and women's job, and that was the job I was given. So uh, from the start, I was the head coach of both teams. I actually have never been an assistant for squash. Um, I guess, you went right to the top. That's, that's I, I pretty did, good. I did. I, that's just how that happened. And, uh, yeah, no, I had both teams from the start. So it was pretty cool to, you know, looking back, I was pretty fearless about it. But uh it was it was neat to think now that I threw in that resume as a female and went, you know, I can do that and uh, and was offered the position. And, um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I know there were some strong applicants in the pool and I, I feel very honored that they decided to to take a chance on me. And um, obviously, I've loved well, obviously it. Obviously, they, they made here. a pretty good decision back at the time. So in terms of just getting back to, you know, your upbringing. Mm-hmm. So did, when did you start playing squash? And how were you introduced to it? So there was a massive squash boom in the UK in the 70s. And my parents in their 20s took up the sport and that became their social life. So there was the squash club that was playing squash. Every squash club had a bar. They always had a drink afterwards. That's how it went. And so, you know, myself and my brother, we grew up in squash clubs. And um, the choice really was you play squash or not. So I figured I would. Uh, Thankfully, I... um, I, I was able to be to be decent at it, but um, yeah, it was really my my parents that were playing. It was a very social thing for them, and again, I was very lucky too. They they found a really cool club called Dunnings Mill in East Grinstead. It, it's not there anymore, but it's a big club. Held the preliminary matches for the British Open uh, for a number of years, and it just had a really cool junior program. There were a lot of kids that I grew up around that were also very good. There was great coaching structure for groups for the kids. Um, they, they had a wonderful deal too. If, uh, if if it was school vacation during the day and a court was free, we could use it. So, you know, I, I was very lucky with the access and and sort of where I found myself geographically. So that's that's how I got that's how I got into it and really just worked my way through the junior teams at the club, through to the you know junior teams in the county, then the area, then nationally. And it was nice um, over there too. At the time, there was a very good system and flow for that. Who were some of your peers back then that uh, ended up uh, really doing well on the PSA? And uh, Yeah, because- so um, Linda Charman, she's just taken a job with U.S. Squash. Linda, I say Linda Charman, Linda Elriani now. <laughs> um, so she was from my county. Um, Susie, she, she's a one. She's I know Linda. She's a wonderful person, and oh, yeah. I think her son is over at the British Open now uh, yep, playing. Yep, that's and, right. Yep, and, Jack's tearing it up. He just won the uh, just won the U.S. under fifty. I mean, we've seen Jack. You know, when he was almost like in a stroller. You know, coming mm-hmm. to squash matches, and uh, he's really uh, coming into his own now, which is really nice to see. Absolutely, yeah. So Linda, Linda was on. We were playing on the same county teams. A lot of fun weekends with Linda. Um, Jenny Tramfield, Stephanie Brind, um, you know, that that kind of era. Um, a lot of names that are escaping me now, but uh It's okay. But yeah, so um yeah, it's 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 been a tight world ever since. In fact, even uh, Adrian Grant, I think you had on your on your yeah, show. It, he and, is terrific. Uh, he's a wonderful person and uh, So again, he's somebody that was playing junior tournaments the same time as me in the same area, southeast of England. So there's a lot of us that have come from that sort of time and place. So uh, when you were at Wellesley, um, what did you learn? Like, you know, because that was your, really your first, you know, teaching and coaching position mm-hmm. um, that you brought to Wesleyan. 
I mean, I think on your, your interview, they were probably asking, like, what could you bring to this program? So what was right. your mindset at the time? So I think I learned a lot at Wellesley. I mean, I moved here and there was no guidebook. There was no roadmap for college coaching at all. I made every mistake you could imagine in the first year there. If it made sense, I did it and then got in trouble because you're not allowed. There's so many rules. Um, but it was great. Wellesley was very structured as an organization, um, very managed. So it, it was great. I wasn't really allowed to fall through the cracks. And that really, I consider that sort of my education. I was there four years. I learned the landscape of college squash. I, um, you know, learned the, the U.S. squash landscape. All of that was so new and different. Um, so I think that four years there that I spent was was critical to succeeding at Wesleyan. Um, and I did actually a lot of research on uh, the optimal coaching of women. and. Um, Fortunate enough, this is going back now, but uh, with my colleague, Tim Bacon, the two of us went to Cairo to present at the World Junior Championships on the optimal coaching of female athletes. And that was great because, you know, I obviously had to, if you're, if you're studying the optimal coaching of female athletes, you have to understand the male athlete too. And um, I think- Yeah, I, I, I assume there's different buttons to push, obviously. We can get into absolutely. that later on, but- uh... Yeah, no, very much, very much. I mean, the study of the psychology, that's fascinating to me. And uh, I think, you know, when I when I interviewed at Wesley, and that was that was very interesting to them that I thought through that and um, had considered how to coach both genders. But I also think, you know, I grew up playing with boys a lot, a lot. Um, none of that intimidated me. Um, I really do. It's the same game. We're not playing a different game. I think I was lucky enough to get pretty good at it. So I felt confident in my skills. I felt confident in my knowledge and um, boys, girls, who it, it, men, women. It, it, to me, it was that that wasn't an issue for me. I think it was more of an issue of other people looking at me as a woman. So what was the landscape back there back then, I guess, in the early 2000s in terms of women being coaches on women's teams in college squash as well as men's teams? Yeah, so um, there weren't too many women coaching men. I, I will give a shout out to Jane Parker, who I think was the only one at the time, and she was coaching. I may be wrong on that, but uh, Jane Parker coaching out of Vassar College, and um, she was coaching both the men and women. And I said, well, you know, how's this going to go? She said, oh, you'll be fine. And, uh, you yeah, know, I'd known Jane from national squads in England, so we had a history. Um, it was great to have that sort of support. Um but trying to think, I mean, Carol, there are a few few others out there. Carol Waymuller was coaching at Hobart, actually, for a number of years. So she coached the men there. Um, trying to think of other. I think, her tra I think the Carol Waymuller uh, tournament starts next week in Brooklyn. I okay, think there you go. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, she's a legend in her own right and broke those barriers. And uh, um, there weren't too many. There weren't too many. I think it was myself and Jane. I do remember that, that, That's incredible that there were two yeah. women's coaches. Yeah. Like, you know, out there at the time. I mean, it's amazing. And uh, obviously you are like a trailblazer and uh, it's and you've maintained and improved and, and done all these great things over your career there. And you're you're still very young. So it's great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it still remains exciting to me. And, you know, it, it, I have fond memories of um, going to the the, the men's championships. And there would be myself and Jane and 
and going to the meetings and the meet the coach meetings were all men except for us. They asked at the they used to have these huge banquets and they said please wear you know shirt and tie. So we both wore a shirt and tie. That's great. Um, yeah. Um, but there, there are others now. So, you know, Nikki, Nikki Clement is down at Haverford College and um, Pam Ankerman uh, uh, was it? Oh, I'll get it confused. Well, Pam Ankerman's coaching at a college now, um, men and women. So there's, there's, a, there's a couple of us. And, and you've got Lynn Leong at Yale. Lynn oh. Leong at Yale. Uh, Joanne Schickling was at Columbia there. So, you know, to, for a spell there, there were two head female coaches for Ivy League teams. Um, which I think is pretty neat. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, I do think, you know, with the Ivy teams and stuff, I think the landscape of uh, college squash is going to change. It's just my opinion that when some of the schools like the Michigans, Duke, North Carolina, convert from club teams to varsity sports, I think there will be a boom in college squash. The pa- I mean, I think there's a lot of parity now, but I think that will increase – because it's very, it would be very appealing for some the players and you know the junior players to go to a school like Michigan, you know, Absolutely. places like that. And I think that Absolutely. will help. If we can, school. if we can break into those schools, I think I think the growth could be immense. Yes, because the club squash now is off the charts. There, they take it very seriously, and it's it's sort of booming. And David Pullman will be on a little later, and he'll give us an update on the club and you know varsity um, teams throughout the country. Um, so what were some of your early struggles when you first got to Wesleyan? What were the things that were difficult that stressed you out or, you know, things that were, um, you know, that you knew you had to get better at and, uh, or maybe try a different method, you know, to reach some of the players and stuff like that. Yeah, I think, well, the, the, the players at Wesleyan had had, you know, I was their third coach in three years. So there'd been quite a bit of transition. Uh, it wasn't really taken very seriously at all. Uh, that wasn't my style. And I don't think that's what I was employed to do. I think I was employed to, to, to pursue excellence there. And, uh, you know, as I say, it was a brand new facility. And I think that the first goal really was changing the culture of the squash program to, you know, you are varsity athletes, you are representing your school, you are pursuing excellence, you are pursuing a better self in every way, not just on the squash court. Um, I think that was the biggest challenge. You know, there were, uh, it, it was very, it was very casual. It was very like, hey, squash is an excuse that we can go to another city for the weekend and have some fun. And I'm like, that's great. We're going to the other city, but you have to play your best. And um, there was a lot of that without going into, you know, I have stories. <laughs> and we're going to have to train. You're going to have to train as well. I mean, yeah, we're going so to we'll take our. You have to show up <laughs> and be there. And, uh, you know, let's win too. <laughs> so um, were you offered, or I'm not sure about your, uh, did you do any teaching while you've been at Wesleyan or? Yes. Yeah. We all teach. We all teach. Um, I taught at Wellesley too. So actually Wellesley, I taught squash, sailing, golf. And um, at Wesleyan, I teach squash, obviously. So I do two sections of physical education squash that they get credit for. And I teach one section in um, racquetlon. So racquetlon is a, is a, it's kind of the triathlon of, or decathlon of racket sports. It's table tennis, badminton, squash, and tennis. You play all four against the same opponent to 21 points. That's one game. Um, it's a legitimate sport. We've 
actually sent, we sent the first team to the US Championships, US Racquetlon Championships in Bulgaria from Wesleyan. So this is the only uh, four credit Racquetlon PE class taught in university in the world. Um, but uh, how, I'm pretty proud how, how of good that. Is your, how, how good is your ping pong game? It's not bad. <laughs> it's really not bad. I, I 11 in the world was my highest ranking in Racquetlon. So it wasn't terrible. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, I think to, it's hard, I think, to do tennis and squash well as, you know, at the higher levels. I think it's uh, it's not counterintuitive, but it's uh, a whole different swing. There may be a couple <laughs> movements, but it's it's a difficult, you know. It's I think completely it's different. To- it may as well be basketball and golf. It's totally different. But I will say I do think there's uh, value in fully understanding what a racket does to a ball and how it does that. So I do think there's value in learning other, thinking about other racket sports and bringing that back as to what you can actually create on a squash court. And I think squash is getting so creative that, um, you know, what, what we used to think was was it and there's nothing else. We're seeing people try all kinds of different shots, spins, um, strategies. So I hear where you're coming from and I think it'd be very difficult to be world class at both but i i do i want to push back a little bit and say i do think there's value no of course and and badminton is, i love watching good badminton i mean it's exciting that's an incredible sport and you know it's uh so that must have been fun to do to to do that I, that's great i, I never i don't even know I don't, I don't know about that at all i'm gonna have to yeah look in- it up racket long racket long there's a lot in canada there's uh the Pat, Patrick Moran in New York is the head of U.S. Racquetlon. And in fact, Joanne Schickling at Columbia, who I mentioned earlier, she actually went and played the World Championships this summer. She's actually up for an award for the best newcomer. So she is somebody who's done tennis and squash at very high level. So who were some of your early mentors um, and some you're maybe a new mentor that uh, you've met through college squash or U.S. squash that has really been helpful in your development and make you, you know, see certain things that maybe you didn't see, um, prior, um, which there's so many great minds out there. I was wondering if you have a a, sort of a mentor that's helped you. Well, I think there's been, nobody can do anything alone. I think there's been so many people along the way and growing up, uh, you know, I, Grant Miller was my first coach there at, at Dunnings Mill. And then I was really lucky, um, Hidi Jahan, who, um, if you know your squash history, he was number two in the world. He was Jahanga beat him in his first um, first British Open. So I was lucky enough that Hiddy became a family th- friend through my dad's work, completely irrelevant to squash. And we managed to connect and he took me on. So Hiddy Jahan really taught me probably the most about the game as a junior. And then uh, coming through, as I moved to the to the U.S., I, I looked around to other coaches that were doing what I was doing and, and try and, you know, help me. I've got no clue here. And I give a big shout out to Tim Bacon, who was at Smith College at the time, who uh, I, I learned so much from him and I still use what he's taught. And it's still things that even didn't make sense at the time now make sense. So Tim Bacon was a great influence and remains a good friend. And then just other college coaches, 
you know, Wendy Bartlett at Trinity has been phenomenal. She's, you know, a woman that's has been there from the beginning and her wisdom and depth of knowledge, Gail Ramsey down at Princeton, Paul Asiante at um, Trinity has been a great help. Um, really, really, you know, all my colleagues have been, and, and I think that's a nice thing about college squash. We are there to beat each other, but we do communicate, we do collaborate, and I think we're in it for the best for, for the game. So, yeah, I've had a lot of really great influences. And even my my athletic directors, you know, Mike Whalen is my current athletic director, and uh, I can always go and ask questions. And and I've even actually had, I have friends who are outside of the squash world and even more in the business world that I've gleaned all kinds of um, team dynamic, group dynamic, organizational psychology, um, nuggets from that I can use with this almost I don't want to say test ground, but it is wonderful to have a men's and women's team and to watch those interactions and who does what and why and who gets motivated by what and why. So, yeah. you know, I do think it's uh, I mean, I think your philosophy, which I would love you to like sort of, you know, elucidate our audience with, sure. um, you know, you're bringing these young women and men, on, you know, into Wesleyan which Wesleyan is a phenomenal school. I mean, it's rich in academic history and um, it's a very competitive school. And I would think attractive, you know, to, you know, players that, uh, you know, I don't know about all the different academic programs at Wesleyan that, you know, people would be looking to, you know, get involved with. But um, I think you're, you're, you're also attracting a very, you know, not only a squash player, but a student athlete who uh, I think you want to give all the all your knowledge and wisdom to make them ready to get out into the world. And I think squash has a lot of benefits for that in terms of, you know, budgeting time, the way you analyze things, the, you know, keeping your body, you know, in shape and uh mm -hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, your philosophy sure. and what you're looking at when you're attracting an athlete to come to your program, as well as while they're there. Um, what is your mindset on, you know, in terms of how do you look after their academics? Do you stay, mm -hmm. uh, how do you stay on top of everything with them? And uh, so. Yeah, no, that's great. That's a great question. I um, So I always say to, to people looking to play college squash, that, uh, that and you need three things. You've got to want to work hard. You know, you can't. I, I don't want students that just come in and want to coast. That's not fun or productive. You've got to want to work hard. You've got to want to improve, and you've got to want to help others improve. You need those three things to be on the team. You need those three things. Um, without those three, th with those three things, we can make magic happen. Without those three things, things are, get squirrely. So those are very, very important. And then outside of that, I really do see and view the squash piece as part of the education. So, so I'm, they're going to Wesleyan. It's a liberal arts school. They're getting a liberal arts education. There's a mind and body component. Um, and the squash is an educative tool. Now, um, students aren't necessarily seeing it that way. They say, I just want to play college squash, but, but the trick behind it is that actually there's so much to be learned in 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 the experience of being on a team and playing college squash and i actually i just wrote a paper on um moving from first year being a first year through to being a senior and kind of some of the different stages 
and it being from, you know, when you arrive, you're very dependent and you need to be told kind of, this is how you be a team member. This is when you show up. This is what you do. When your players ask you to go for dinner, you go with them because that's being part of a team. You know, this is when, when, you know, when we need your food order in, it's got to be within 24 hours. Just that whole, they're very dependent. They need to be told. Uh, and then as they sort of mature into it, there's, uh, I, I'm working them towards independence. So I don't need to tell them to go and complete their medical clearance. They will go do it. Um, I don't need to tell them that they have to bring the energy on the court to help their teammate as they're drilling. They're just going to do it. So they're learning this independence piece. At that point, as they move through that, because without independence, you do not have leadership. Nobody can be a leader until they're independent. When we get to independence, then we work to interdependence. And the uh, because leaning on each other and working with each other's resources is always going to be better than doing it yourself. And although squash is a solo sport, it's an individual sport, we, we, completely, we, we pretty much exclusively play as a team. So... I want them to work towards that so that when they graduate, they're in the best possible mindset with the best possible skill set to be employed anywhere. And really, that's the goal of it is, yes, it's fun. Yes, it's cool. Yes, we go on trips. The bus rides are fun. You know, there's there's laughter along the way. Um, there's challenges along the way. But really, what are we doing? We're trying to prepare young men and women to enter the world and be as successful as possible. And I think that's actually my job as much as I'm teaching them a drop shot. So that's kind of my philosophy. I, I think that's, that's tremendous. That's tremendous. And uh, yeah, I think you're just, you're, you're a vessel and uh, you're really providing life skills on the squash cord that they're going to take into their careers and throughout their life. And um, absolutely. This episode of the Two Doc Chronicles podcast is sponsored by the Mid-Atlantic Squash Conference. This is a conference that is surely on the rise in college squash and will only get better under the guidance of Commissioner Anderson Good. The conference on the women's side is composed of Drexel, UVA, Franklin and Marshall, Georgetown, Dickinson, and the new edition of Stanford University. On the men's side, it's UVA, Drexel, Franklin and Marshall, MIT, the Naval Academy, and Dickinson College. The conference championships will be held this year at the Boar's Head MacArthur Squash Center on the campus of the University of Virginia on February 3rd through 5th. The UVA men have won the last three Holly Cups and Drexel has won the last two Gainer Cups. Hopefully, with some conversion of club to varsity sports and some redistribution of some of the college teams, this conference will continue to grow and I can guarantee you will be competing for college championships in the future. So, we are going to welcome our second guest, David Pullman to the episode and um, he's going to stay on with us for a little bit and uh, give us an update on college squash as, and uh, maybe we'll have a little conversation with Shona. David, how are you? Um, I'm doing very well, Bruce. Uh, thanks so much for having me on again. Great to see you both. So uh, 
we'll get right to it, David. Um, thanks again for coming on. And um, so I, I, I think people are interested. Um, you're coming off a banner 21-22 season. And now we're uh, just about to get into the thick of it for 22 and 23. So um, you want to give us a little update. And again, I commend you, your staff, for the wonderful job you did last year. It was a banner season, and especially coming back after COVID, and just really uh, a great job. So uh, just want to let you know that <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who are appreciative of that. And uh, so uh, uh, no, us. What- uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm flattered. Thank you. Uh, I certainly did not do it alone. And um, I give a ton of credit to the, to the coaches um, who, who really had to persevere and buckle down and, and find ways to, um, you know, claw and scratch their way through the season at certain points last year. You know, it's, it's hard to believe uh, it was only a year ago when, you know, the Omicron variant was, was kind of raging through uh, the United States and across college campuses as, as um, students were coming back. And there was a lot of uncertainty uh, around, um, you know, uh, playing procedures and competition, return to training, things like that. And, um, uh, you know, all credit to the, to the coaches and, and the players, the student athletes who did a great job and just, you know, did their best to roll with the punches and, and, you know, uh, college regulations and everything to, um, uh, to really come out on the end. And, and we, you know, we had a full season. Um, as you said, it was an incredibly exciting season. Um, you know, really top-notch play because of the year prior without, uh, without a season of squash, you know, we had sort of an extra layer or extra class of players that had stuck around or found a way to, to play an extra year. And, and that just, you know, managed to elevate the level, I think even a step higher. Um, and so the team championships were really exciting. The, um, you know, all divisions, uh, were, were great to watch. And then, uh, you know, the individual championships were, were phenomenal to two, five, five game matches in the finals, um, and crowning some, some great champions. So, um, it's, it's definitely going to be hard to top, um, that, you know, that, how that all came together. Um, but, even if you're um, even if you're close to what happened last year, it's going to be incredible. Well, I think, I think the the great thing is, you know, with with so many players graduating and and um, it it really opens up the opportunity for a lot, you know, a lot of change, a lot of parity. Um, we've already seen a number of very close matches and kind of upsets by some of the the early early season uh, rankings, which you know, must be taken with a grain of salt, but it, it does add to, you know, some talking points and some excitement. And, uh, I think going into, you know, I just, I would just say kind of like buckle up, um, this, this period going from, you know, Shona probably knows it better than, than anyone on this, uh, on this podcast, um, how fast this moves from, you know, early January, the kids come back, uh, come back from break. You haven't seen them in a few weeks. They got you. Got to get them up to speed right away. David, I, I just want to give you a little update. I, a lot of these teams are in the warmer weather, indoors playing I've squash. I've, I've heard. It's, yeah. it's like spring training. You know. You know. So uh, yeah. I think people are really excited, and I think the coaches want to get everyone ready to go, rather than not doing anything over break and, and coming back and then have to restart. So uh, they're trying to get a little jump start on things. So um, just in terms of uh, 
any new club teams or what is the what is the landscape now with how many club teams and how many varsity teams are there competing yeah. in the CSA? Yeah, great, great question. I'm glad you brought that up. So right now we're at um, 32 women's varsity teams, 34 men's varsity teams, and uh, our stated goal uh, actually for the last couple of years um, has been we've we've been calling it 4040 by 2030. So that's 40 men's teams and 40 women's teams um, by the end of this decade. And um, you know we got a nice boost last year. Um, so Georgetown women, Chatham women, and Denison men and women are all playing in their second full season this year, which is great. Uh, there's there's no new additional varsity teams um, this season. Um, but, um, you know, we are, we are, you know, we are sort of talking to some schools and, and we have some, you know, some hopes on the horizon and, and, and that's, that's kind of a big goal of, of ours at the CSA sort of writ large is, is growth of the game, you know, coming through the pandemic, um, you know, we really took a hit. We, you know, we lost some really key programs. Uh, we, we could have lost even, even more than we did, you know, man, we managed to bring back Stanford, managed to bring back Dickinson. Um, so, you know, it, it was, it was definitely concerning. Uh, it was kind of sort of an existential uh, problem that we had to tackle and, uh, looking ahead, um, you know, we're really trying to secure the future of college squash, you know, and, and, and squash writ large. I mean, it's, it's such a critical time for us. It's a critical juncture. And so, we're really trying to, um, you know, take an active approach. And so approach. just for our audience in, in terms of, so what are the main ingredients for converting from a club to a varsity team? What is needed? And, in, in, you know, so because I don't think anyone really knows how that process works. Yeah. Um, if if there was a like a silver bullet answer that, you know, that I could just like lay out step by step, uh, I think we, we would find uh, a lot more success. It's really... Uh, a unique process on a sort of a case by case basis, school by school. Um, and so um, just looking at the teams that I mentioned, for example, um, they just kind of th- took three different paths to becoming varsity teams. So, you know, Denison University has a long tradition of club squash. They've they've been one of the more uh, best organized and most successful club teams uh, in our sort of more recent history. And um you know, they sort of the the alumni network that they had was great. They have a facility on campus, which is always a big hurdle. And they had a key decision maker on campus, which is which is ultimately kind of like if I was to point to one thing that really makes a big difference, um, it's having that that key decision maker or or group of decision makers on campus. So uh, President um, Adam Weinberg at Denison is a huge squash. He's a squash player himself. He's just a big squash fan and he gets it. And so he you know, he really helped put, you know, get that over the line. Um, so, th- so that, that's a big, that club to varsity piece. Um, it's, it's not tried and true. Like there are a lot of club teams that are, that are, have been clubs for a long time and will remain that way. Um, just for, you know, for the fact, pure fact that there's, uh, you know, the school conditions won't, won't support it on the varsity level. I can't agree with you more about in terms of um, growing squash in the U.S. and probably globally as the sport college squash expands and some notable schools convert to varsity sports, I think that will drive the future. And, uh, you know, I think grassroots, all that stuff is so important. Yet I think this is one um, piece of the puzzle that I think could really help the sport and, uh, 
you know, give it longevity and move into a period where a lot more people are playing squash and uh, are being exposed to it. Because yeah. I think of a school like Michigan or Duke ever converts, I think it's going to be huge. The yeah. access, ESPN, all these things I think will help. And uh, so fingers crossed that over <laughs> the the forty forty comes to fruition. Yeah, It'll thank be great. you. Yeah, I hope so too. Um, so we're going to keep we're going to keep pushing that direction. And there's so uh, most of that comes down to um, you know doing our research, tapping into the really strong tight knit. Um, you know, squash community and their connections uh, throughout sort of higher education and, and um, you know, touching base with people um, who are, who are interested in, in helping us grow the game. So did, or is college squash implementing any new um, protocols or um, strategies this year that, you know, maybe you, people weren't thinking about last year that you think you'd like, you know, you're going to implement that would, you know, aid, you know, aid, you know, college squash. Um, yeah. So um, one of the major ones, and I know um, on the surface, I think it, it's a little contentious um, because of the nature of the organization, but we, we have applied for a program through the NCAA uh, called the Emerging Sports for Women program. And I know, I think Shona has a little bit of experience with this. Um, we were on the Emerging Sport for women list um, all the way through about 2010, 2011, uh, women's squash was included on that list. Um, and uh, it just didn't show the growth that the NCAA was looking for at that time in terms of number of teams. Uh, we have now, just this past summer, we applied to re-enter that program. And um, we, like I said, we're at 32 uh, women's teams now. That's five more than were there about, you know, 10, 10 or 11 years ago. Um, and we, with sort of my position in place, the board of directors in place, we have an infrastructure that's, that is, we can dedicate some more resources and, and time and energy, uh, towards, you know, fostering those sports. And, uh, we understand sort of the challenges and the struggles that the NCAA is going through, but that's really the paradigm that, um, NCAA administrators, college administrators really understand college presidents, uh, college athletic directors, you know, we're, we're still, I think to a certain extent, you know, squash is the wild, wild west sport. We, you know, we're, we're competitive, we're exciting, but you know, do they follow the rules that, you know, there's just a lot of question marks. There's not a lot of interest sometimes or, or understanding. There's just some, um, you know, unintentional ignorance, I think. And, and, you know, putting it in within the NCA paradigm helps, you know, kind of, I think helps our sport. And it also, you know, adding, it's just a women's program. It's a clear pathway towards uh, NCA recognition for women's squash. But I, I, I do believe knowing what I know about the program and watching some of the growth uh, for other sports that are on that list that we can add, uh, add men's programs as well along the way. I just want, before I let, you know, uh, Shona chime in, because I think she probably has a lot to offer about that. But um, I was just thinking that, you know, um, the success of the U.S. women's national team, three out of the four top players all were college graduates. And now they're, you know, top three and two or three in the world, the team. And uh, I think that bodes well. And they all went to college. They graduated college. And now they're, you know, full-time professionals. And uh, so it, it, it says a lot, I think. And uh, so, Shona, I think uh, whatever you want to, you know, pose to uh, David, uh, go go for it. He's very uh, chippy tonight, and I think it's good. 
Sir, you want me to ask David something? Of course. <laughs> David, what do you do for fun? <laughs> what do I do for fun? Oh, that's a great yeah, question. Because um, I don't know. I yeah. know you. I, I, I echo Bruce in the great work that you've done for College Squash, so I do want to emphasize that. But yeah, what do you do for fun? We want to know you. Oh, wow. Um, I, uh, I've spent a lot of time with my family. I have two young kids um, and we have a lot of fun. They're, they're in ripe sort of young ages where they're just getting into their own individual activities um, uh, and they're uh they have an athletic bent um so we've uh we, we're getting them into, into all sorts of things which is which is fun and sort of like the living vicariously through them um i do i do like to stay active myself so running working out um uh i don't get on the squash court as much as i would like to although that's definitely something that i i enjoy um i like playing golf too uh that's that's part of the, the other than just working out on my own. That's an activity that I that I like. I like getting after. Um, but yeah, I like uh, I like reading. I like getting outdoors and traveling. I I like uh, puzzles, crossword puzzles, things like that. So anything to keep the mind sharp, uh, mind sharp, and the body sharp. I think uh, are what is, is what attracts me. I am curious. I am curious because uh, I, as you mentioned, I was involved with the women's the growth of women's squash and the NCAA struggle there the, the first time around. Um, so I'm curious what some of your strategies are this time that we can all actually assist with um, and sort of what's what's in place at this point so we can hit that number. Yeah. Um, so we have a um, we've called it an emerging teams committee. So uh, this group has come together and um, put a you know a document and a and a list of talking points together of uh, you know really targeted approach to uh, and, and almost like a tiered approach of of schools that were uh, prioritizing and what we know about them who we know there um, tapping into like I said earlier tapping into that full network of people. Um, so that we can really sort of like uh, highly tailor the approach uh, to each individual school. Um, and we always it's it's tough because, um, you know, coming into this year, we kind of identified internally um, about three to five schools that we really wanted to go after. But um, there's there's squash is growing. There's excitement around it coming out of the pandemic. You know, schools are are more open to adding programs and we're hearing from some schools that are coming in, kind of coming out of the woodwork that we we didn't even expect to to hear from. And so it's part of it is just being kind of like equipped with um, some templates and some tools that we can we can kind of tap into uh, and being nimble um, as information comes our way or as leads come our way. And um, yeah, so um, and I think just kind of telling the success stories of uh, the past few years like Bruce said, you know, the, the success of the, of the women's team on the national or international scale, uh, you know, the fact that squash is shortlisted as an uh, possible Olympic sport for 2028. Um, and, you know, kind of our telling the story of college squash itself, um, you know, um, you know, pay equity is really important. Gender equity is really important. You know, squash has been on the forefront of that for a long time. Um, you know, 
I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, we're, we're um, reaching our hundredth anniversary of, of intercollegiate team squash this, uh, this coming February, which is incredibly exciting. And, and um, all the squash fans out there, you'll be hearing more about that from us uh, over the next year. We're going to have a year long celebration. You know, that longevity is great, but women's squash in particular, um, you know, has been around, has a, has a 50 year history. You know, the women's team championship started in, in 1973 uh, right. You know, a year, basically like less than a year after title nine passed. So, um, you know, those sorts of talking points and, and, um, sort of our infrastructure that we have in place now, um, it, it, it depends who we're talking to and what the message needs to be, but I think we have a lot going for us. So I have one more question for you and then Shona, if you have anything else, um, in terms of, uh, obviously it's not going to help any of the athletes, uh, who, you know, because college admissions and all that stuff has happened already for, for this upcoming year. But uh, going forward, um, you know, for a junior squash player, um, what do you think? Because I think, you know, it's a daunting time for the family, the, you know, the athlete. And um, so what do you think are some of the best resources in terms of, you know, maybe guiding, you know, a, a junior player and the family on? Because some, you know, some of the families have no idea how the process works. So what do you think are some places that they can get information, you know, the right information? And uh, I, I think, you know, the, the wrong information, which, you know, rumors and all this stuff. So where do they go as a resource? Yeah, I, to start with, um, two great places that are interconnected are the U.S. Squash website and the and the CSA website, uh, you know, usquash.org and csasquash.com. Uh, there are recruiting resources on both of those websites that are um, that are comprehensive and accurate, and they've been you know uh, vetted and tested kind of over the last few years, um, even updated by um, uh, you know a group of uh, community you know community members for coming through the junior ranks who wanted to better understand uh, some of this stuff and found like there was a void there. Um, included on there are. Um, some panel uh, discussions that we've had, some talks that I've given, uh, panel discussions involving different coaches. Shona's been involved in at least one of those that I know of. Um, and and that really, I think that gives the most accurate and the strongest picture of, of how to kind of progress through um, the, the recruiting process. Um, you know, it talks about timelines, it talks about all the different details. You know, we have a, a frequently asked questions guide. Um, we can, um, and it's just, it's really, I think, the most comprehensive way to do that. Um, and then I think the other, you know, within um, within the squash community is pretty tight. Um, you know, going to tournaments, there are a lot of people, you know, Bruce, yourself included, who's been, you know, parents and families who have been through this process before. And so, you know, tapping into that network or not being afraid to ask, uh, ask questions of other people that you see at tournaments. Um, you know, we, we have a, a parents group that um, is, you know, has kind of feelers geographically at different places and uh, across the country and have been, have had different experiences. So different questions or, or people trickle up uh, through us and, and we, you know, inevitably we, we point them back to, to those resources, you know, last um, this past fall, right. Leading up to uh, the opportunity, the first opportunity to contact recruits, junior recruits, uh, juniors in high school, 
uh, on our Instagram page, we had a, a set of reminders. We had we had a daily sort of rule reminder, top 10 recruiting rules to remember going into the recruiting process. So, you know, staying in touch with uh, our platforms on Instagram, Twitter, we have a newsletter that comes out quarterly, um, you know, really staying in touch that way. And, we, and we're hoping to, you know, through our, um, as a launching point coming off our 100th uh, anniversary, you know, we want to continue to offer more comprehensive resources some guides or some people that, that, uh, some trusted folks that we can point people to and say, Hey, these, you know, this is the way, uh, that you can find out the most information about the recruiting process. Great. Um, before I let you go, David, um, thanks again, you know, for, uh, really making it very clear on the mission of college squash and updating us on, you know, what's happening. And so I'll, if you have any questions for Shona or Shona, have another question for David, and then, uh, what's your favorite food, David? I mean, Shona, <laughs> <laughs> so, do you do you have anything to add on the recruiting front? I mean, where, where I, do you I would send... just uh, yeah, I do. I just have one thing, um, selfishly, a little bit. Don't don't be shy to reach out to the coaches too. I think we can be a decent resource. And I, person, speaking for myself, I'm really very willing to help guide anybody through the college recruiting process. If the right students, the right students will find their way to Wesleyan. I'm not worried about that. And, um, you know, if it's not the right student, I want to make sure that they do find the right path. So say, so I, I have no reason to do anything other and please feel free. We're on the ground and we're doing it and we're working it. So use us too. I, I would uh, second that completely. Uh, the coaching community is, is really great and, and incredibly supportive and, and part, you know, Part of our our mission to grow the sport is that we want those players who are coming through the junior system and coming playing in high school, we want them to find a home uh, in college squash and not feel like they can't play for whatever reason or they can't find, you know, the 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 list of of college squash, you know, schools that sponsor squash even at the club level uh, is incredible and and there's a place for everybody and our coaches, I've time and time again, I'm, I'm so impressed that they're so dedicated to making sure that if, if a player is not the right fit for their school, they're, they've done a great job of referring people on to, to other schools. Uh, so that's definitely true. And, and before you came on, uh, Shona made a really, uh, I thought it was a really, you know, we talked about it um, in terms of, you know, sort of sculpting these players and giving them all the tools to enter, you know, the world. And, um, once they graduate and, you know, very few are going to be professional squash players. So it's really about, you know, it's not about always getting them to the PSA, but it's really developing them, giving them life skills. And I think college squash provides that to the umpteenth degree. And uh, I'm happy for my son. I think it's been incredible for him. And uh, you know, he has another year after this one, but uh so I th I really do think it's uh, it's it's been great, and I think it's only going to get better, you know, for people like you guys who were really at the at the forefront. So David, thank you very much for coming on, and yes. good luck for the season. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much, thank guys. You. Thanks, Bruce. Thanks for the invitation, Sean. It's great to no see you. No problem at all. All right. Take care. Once again, David, you provide our audience with such great and current information we really appreciate here at the two doc chronicles getting back to shona yeah so uh in terms of the recruiting process i don't want you to get into too many details but yeah. um 
what are some of the benchmarks and the things that you're looking at and how does that sort of work? You don't have to give any dates or times or anything, but how does the process work? Do you notify the player or does the player reach out to you initially when you, you know, you both have interest, you know, in mm -hmm. Wesleyan? Yeah, so so U.S. squash and college squash, they actually provide us a list of all the U.S. juniors on a yearly basis. So um, I contact all of them and then, uh, you know, say I'd love to talk to you and here's what we have. Um, and then sometimes the, the, you know, the the connection is made that way. Uh, other times students have been thinking about Wesleyan for a long time and they certainly reach out by themselves. So that starts in September of their junior year and we... Um, you know, I like to I like to meet them. I really love I love to get to know them. It is so much fun doing Zoom calls with 16 and 17 year olds and, um, you know, learning what they're into, what they're passionate about, what they, you know, what their dreams are, what their squash philosophies are. I think that that is actually one of my favorite things. And, um, you know, from from there, we figure out if it's going to be a good fit and what are they looking for in a school? Obviously, Wesleyan is um, fairly rigorous academically. So, Sometimes there are students who would love to come to Wesleyan for whom it's it's a little bit of a stretch. Um, so sometimes that's my challenge. Actually, it's not it's not finding people that want to come. It's finding the ones that that Wesleyan will say yes um, academically. Um, yeah. So so you know, it's I talk. I mean, to that's them. The, I think that's excuse me. I think it's the last thing you would want from one of your athletes to come to your program. And have to struggle at school. I yeah, mean, no, not at that, all. It's, right. it's about finding the fit. It's about finding the school that that student's going to be happy at. And I will say this every time: if if you're genuinely not going to be happy here, the squash is not going to work. So it is irrelevant. Um, and you know, there are students for whom Wesleyan is a great fit. There's a phenomenal film department. If they're interested in film, Wesleyan is the place. If uh, if they want to be pre med and looking for liberal arts, Wesleyan is a phenomenal place. Uh, there are some strengths there. So there are attractions in that way. And we, you know, they are going to school first as a student and the squash can be a really close second. Uh, and then we sort of, it sort of shakes out. So you start with a very big list and it's somewhat self-selecting with the academic standards. And then, you know, I'm looking, I want to get to know the student, you know, what are they like? What are they, how do they think through squash? How do they think through life? What are their, you know, ambitions? What, what are they really interested in? What you know, Do they want to improve over four years? Do they love squash? So these are some of the things I'm really trying to find out. Um, and is this going to be a good fit for our program? And despite, you know, we all, we all just, we, we run our program and we all have a culture of our program, whether we see it clearly or not, it, we all have a very different culture. And is that good student going to fit with that culture? And I think it's really important they meet the coach and they meet the teams, even go to a match and watch, the teams walk in. Do they like each other? Um, how does the team interact with each other? How do they coach each other? Those things. And I think finding the right, you know, the right fit for that is is what I'm looking for. And again, it sort of shakes out. It's more of an art than a science, to be honest. I think it's a big piece of the puzzle is, you know, at the actual players on the team. And when the, the you know, the potential, uh, re the, the recruit comes through when meeting the, the players, I think it, is a huge because they're going to you know give the sort of the the bottom line and what Wesleyan has done for them and mm -hmm. how they're enjoying it and why Wesleyan offers this as other schools don't and so 
I think that's huge. And uh, as we were talking before, in terms of the mentoring process of the older, you know, the junior and senior mentoring the freshmen and sophomores, it's a huge part of the puzzle and giving back, you know, what they've learned. And uh, that, that makes, you know, what I think in terms of junior programs and junior squash is when some of the older players who were mentored by their older players are now in the position to teach the younger ones. And uh, I think that's a big part of the puzzle. It's part of community. And uh, I think it goes a long way. I think the culture at the program, which I think you're, and I think the culture at Wesleyan has really grown and, and prospered. And uh, so it becomes a very appealing place, you know, for, you know, a, a student athlete who plays squash. And uh, so yeah, the it's, culture is everything. The culture is everything. I, I don't, I think you're so right in terms of meeting the players. And personally, I, I, I want them to meet the players as quickly as possible because I could tell them anything. And, you know, I'm running this thing. So, you know, go speak to the ones that are living it and and, and go there. And it's a two-way process too. So, you know, if anybody's going to listen, you know, if they're listening, then, uh, you know, the players are going to come back to me and tell me what they think as well. So, well, Right. And because they're, the, the recruit is going to give them different information than they might give you. And, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and, so, and so, you know, so that's, they need to know that. <laughs> right. So that student now has information and that can relay it to you. And usually I think the other players on the team say, you know, this person will be a good fit for our team and this may be not. And, uh, and the reasons why. And uh, so I think exactly. that's probably very helpful. Exactly. 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 So in terms of, we, we touched on it earlier, but not too much in terms of what buttons do you need to push for the, for the, the men and what buttons for the women? Are they mm -hmm. different? Are they doing the same training? How does that, how does that work? And uh, so I think people would be interested in that. Yeah. So I, um, as I say this, I want to make sure that people understand this is generic and you could have a, a female that is very much more male style and you can have a male that's very much more female style. So, you know, there's the whole gamut, but this is, as I'm going to say, is, is generic. Um, but uh, if I if I'm coaching the men, the men typically want to just go do it. They don't want to talk too much about it. They don't want to ask the questions. They 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 want to see it, do it because they can do it. And let's just get on with it. And um, on the other side with the women, I think they feel they need to understand it a little bit more before they throw themselves in. A little uh, more cerebral. Uh, the women a little, maybe a little bit, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a little, they just want to understand it before they do it. Um, and so sometimes I will set up drills or practices with that in mind. And, um, you know, sometimes for, for the men, they're so convinced, well, I can do that. They go do it. It's almost, I'm uh, probably going to get myself in trouble for saying this, but set them up to fail. And then they want to know why. And then they want to know how. Um, and with the women, it's the other way around. They want it to be front loaded so that they can understand before. So, so that's one, that's one difference I see between the two, between the two teams. The other thing that I implement and, and believe in is that um when they come in at the beginning of the year, obviously you have first years joining, it's a brand new team. Anytime you take one person out or put somebody else in, it's a new team. The women, it's very, very important that they bond socially. Very important. 
I think for the women, they need that connection before they're ready to truly push each other on the court. And I know when I see it because they're there busy coaching each other, go, no, your racket wasn't up early or you didn't hit the drop shot. You said you did, but you didn't. And you know that's one of your goals. When they're pushing each other, then I know I know we've got it. Um, if that bond isn't there, that doesn't happen. Now the men, the men, the men want to know where do they where do they stack in the in the lineup? Where do they fit? You know, what's the hierarchy here? That's that's their sort of thinking. And uh, uh and so for them, it's a little bit like throw them out there and let them beat each other up. They figure it out and then they bond. So again, it's kind of the other way around. And that is part of their bonding process is to sort of where where do I where do I fit here? And I think their way to do it is to is to play and to to compete and you know it's a little bit of a close the doors let it happen and see what comes out <laughs> so um, unless you go to a high school that has a squash team or you play on one of the national teams or you they have the you in the u.s squash junior squash they have battle of the borders where they go up to canada and play um you really uh you know they don't get a lot of team experience and i mm -hmm. think you know, you go to some of these college squash matches or the nationals or whatever, and you see these teams, they're thick as thieves. I mean, they, they, they're and, and from every school, it doesn't matter if you're at the top or you're number 30. I mean, the enthusiasm and the camaraderie seems to be just off the charts and mm -hmm. in, you know, all fighting for each other and interested in how each other is doing. I mean, look, that's probably a generalization, but it, at no, least it true. appears from my vantage point that, and I, and I'm a good observer that, uh, you know, there's so much camaraderie and which is not really there unless, you know, you have, a, again, a team in high school. And uh, so I think the kids, you know, feed off of that and get energy. And uh, so to me, it, and these, and a lot of the, you know, the players, these are friends for life. If you, yes. if you go through this process and you play four years, with a, a you know a player um they most of them become pretty good friends and uh they're you know together for you know for life again and uh so i think that's also a huge part of the the puzzle and uh, wanting that camaraderie wanting you know them to fight for each other it doesn't matter if you're number 9 or 8 or 10 in the lineup the number one player cares about you know the mm -hmm. other players and uh so I just think it's it's just a great, great um, time for, you know, the college squash players and uh, sort of jealous. I wish I, you know, go back <laughs> in time and and do that. But I wish uh, I had it, too. I wish I had it, too. It would have been. Yeah. What a great experience. I mean, I, I played college tennis, but, uh, okay. and, you know, but we weren't it, it's squash is just structured a little bit differently. And uh, but, uh, it, you know, those bus rides, as you said before. And staying it up, you know, at the hotels and eating together, it's all good. And uh, you can't. It is. I think the going through struggles together too brings people closer. So you know, working very hard on court, pushing yourself, doing difficult things together, um, I think also brings you very close. Um, and I think it's also we, we spend so much time. We spend so much time together. And the, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about the mentorship of the seniors to the juniors, to the sophomores, to the first years. And I think when you get it right, it gets passed down. And, um, you know, then that camaraderie grows. It's, it's such a, I think it's such an addition to somebody's education to have that.
So, so let me ask you a question. We may not have to keep this on the podcast. And so is, so is it not politically correct to say freshman anymore? Because it's like freshman, you know, like <laughs> I'm, I'm just wondering, you know, you said first year, you said sophomore, junior, senior, and your first year. So I'm wondering if that's going to become a trend going forward as, you know, you know, you get admitted to your first year rather than your freshman year. And I, I'm just, I don't know. Maybe I, I mean I do use that. I do use it on purpose. That's sort of what I'm programmed. I mean, think about it too. I started a a, a women's school. There was no way they're calling themselves freshmen. Right. Just exactly. Exactly. Not happening. And right. it is. You know, we don't have policemen anymore. We have police officers, and we don't have firemen. We have so I think. And I, you know, I did the Iron Man three times, and I'm wondering mm -hmm. if that's going to be changed too. The Iron right. Man, right? Yeah. I, so yeah. it's Just it's a, a competition. So, you know, you never know. Yeah. Um, sportsmanship. Sportsmanship's another one, right? That's huge. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, sportsmanship. And I think squash teaches you that because right. bad sports, bad sportsmanship is really frowned upon. And uh, and it's so obvious on the squash court. So, you know, people are like all shaking their heads when they see that. But most of the players respect each other yeah it's a battle on the court but when you're done sometimes they you know do some refereeing together and it's it goes right, right out the window and right. uh, which i think is a great thing and uh and, and i wonder that. if they'll change that word too will it be sportship sports personship <laughs> we can change anything we want tonight it, True, it, it, we can do anything right <laughs> exactly so uh tell us a little about what conference Wesleyan plays in and uh who are some of the other schools in that conference? And yeah, how, we're, how um, does we're, it... an S we're an SCAC school, so it's a New England Small College Athletic Conference. And there are 11 schools. Uh, there is uh, Trinity, Bates, Bowdoin, Williams, Amherst, uh, Hamilton, Connecticut College, Wesleyan. Um, so, yeah, I probably missed someone out there. But uh, there's 11 schools. It's a, it's, a, it's a strong athletic conference. For Division Three. it's one of the stronger conferences for sure. And uh, how did you guys fare last year on the on the men's and women's side? We were around we were around twenty top twenty, so um, we hover right around that twenty twenty one twenty two right in there. That's that's pretty good. I mean, I, I think that's fantastic. It's uh, I think it's uh, yeah. So I mean, so the lay of the land is you have the Ivy League schools and the Division One schools, and there's eight Ivy Leagues. There's a couple of Division One schools. Um, in there and a couple of schools that have really said, you know what, we're going to prioritize squash. And then you kind of have the next tier that are very serious about squash, but are treating it equally as they would the other sports. And I think we're, we're in that bracket. Yeah. I mean, that's what we were talking about a little bit before in terms of, uh, you know, parity and growing the sport and converting some of the, uh, you know, some of the big 10, big 12 schools to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, from club, I mean, I look at some of the Instagram on like Michigan Squash Club and uh, other ones like that, and these athletes are fired up and they, mm -hmm. they love it. And Penn Squash Club, I mean, there's a lot of really high quality, you know, clubs. Very much. And uh, yeah, I was at the club championships a little bit. So they just started last year, separate club championships to the varsity club championships, which was. Um, I've been a big supporter of for a while. It was a little bit, you know, polarizing. But uh, 
But it was phenomenal. It was awesome to see the Spectre Centre full of club squash teams competing and duking. I mean, the energy was phenomenal. So um, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, a lot I've of seen, excitement there. I, I I wasn't there, but uh, I just see some of the footage, and uh, I mean, it is so it's it's great for the sport, and uh, hopefully, you know, when as David talked about, you know, the forty forty would be tremendous, and that would just be a first step in really growing this sport and putting on the level with some, you know, some other more popular sports. And, uh, so, um, I guess we'll see when, if that comes to fruition, but, uh, knock right. on what it does. Um, so, um, let me see. Um, we seems like we've been talking for a while. We can cut that out, <laughs> but, uh, so are there other things that, you know, we haven't mentioned and discussed that you'd like to bring forth. Um, I think, uh, we, I mean, we've hit a lot of topics and uh, I'm so glad that the uh, squash community, if they don't already know you, will get a chance to. And uh, because I, I appreciate I, I, this opportunity. I really do. It's, you're uh, a breath of fresh air. You're very knowledgeable. And I think you've played a pivotal role, in, you know, in women's sports, and, and especially, obviously, in women's squash. And, uh, I mean, 19 years ago, the landscape was so different. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many schools were participating, how big the conferences were. I mean, you always had the Ivies and, and whatever. And uh, But now I just think there's an opportunity for growth. And I think the Ivies are still because they're, they're great academic institutions. But I think players will have an opportunity to go to other, you know, programs outside the Ivy League. Mm -hmm. And I think the competition is only going to improve by that. And uh, the, depth so of, um, the depth of junior squash has just been um, awe inspiring. And the expansion. So the obviously junior squash feeds the college squash programs and you know that expansion has been pivotal i think to college squash growing and 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 the level of and the depth of competitiveness and i think it's been a pleasure to watch that happen over time and to actually you know now now i'm in a position where i've got players that i can i can really offer some of my you know my highest level coaching to um, they're at that level and that's a lot of fun to me too you know I can share some of the tips tricks and um, you know some of the more nuanced elements of the game that maybe I wasn't really able to share the players weren't at that place you know 15 17 years ago so yeah so like you know I've obviously have been around college squash for about 12 maybe 13 years and um I've noticed that the competition has skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. I mean, you go to like just a gold tournament, you'd think you back then it was like, a, you know, it could be like a JCT. I mean, these that's how competitive it, it is. And uh, so, you know, kids used to, you know, travel to play some gold tournaments where they didn't think, you know, the competition would be keen to get points or whatever. And now you can't avoid, you know, nothing's a gimme anymore. And, uh, I mean, yeah, the, some of the early matches for some of the top players may be a little bit easier, but as they progress, there's so much competition and it's great for the sport and uh, it's only going to feed on itself. And as you say, there'll be more players out there 
who would want to play who want to play college squash will have opportunities. And uh, so it's it's really the, uh, exciting. I think the um, the path of you know you this is what I was presented with really when I came through as a player was you either you turn professional early and you go and you play professionally or you go to college. And if you go to college, you've given up on that piece. Um, so I was lucky to be able to participate in both. But uh, I, I love the fact that here is a model where you can go to college and you can play professional squash and you can go on and do anything you want in your life. I mean, what's better than that? Yeah, I always felt like, you know, I mean, you see that now on the men's side and the women's side. And the women's side, yeah. And of course, and you see Amanda, you see Olivia Fector. I mean, you see Sabrina. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Olivia Blatchford is a... Um, an exception. She could have easily gone to, you know, to college. And yet I think she's done pretty well for herself and she's doing really well. And, uh, but it's, it shows that, um, you know, first of all, you're talking about a 19 or 20 year old needs to mature physically. So it's a place where they can, a lot of these, you know, international recruits are now coming in to play college squash because they realize that they can get an education they can participate and train mm-hmm. and, you know, squash doesn't, you know, there's, it could stop on a dime with an injury. And then, you know, you don't have college or you don't have this, you know, so it, it's something that you'll have forever and uh, a college education. And uh, so I think that is a huge, you know, um, positive for, you know, a player who's, you know, thinking about playing pro squash and um, also growing as an individual and being exposed to things that you would otherwise not be exposed to and will provide other opportunities for you, your network and your your friends. And so it's I think it's very key. It's um, it's also a, a phenomenal experience because you can go professional and it's not that glamorous. You've got to travel. You've got to figure your flights. You've got to pay for your hotels. You've got to stay with families, you, you know college squash the the bus is there for you the meals are provided the training is laid out the courts are there there's no court fees the coaches provide i mean it's luxury i tell you it's downhill from there it's just <laughs> yeah i think they figured this out and said hey why not i can do this i can get a phenomenal degree i can grow as you say um and there's nothing stopping you i mean there are college players now playing top 10 in the world while still in college so that just shows you what's possible. I totally agree with you. So I think it's if anyone ever came to me for advice, which these players are probably not asking me, but, right uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would think that the pathway, there's no downside unless you're going to walk out and be like number two in the world, you know, at that point, because you don't know how long the shelf life of your career is going to be. And right, um, no, don't know. so if you are going to, as an 18 year old or 19 year old, uh, it can be like a top five or 10 player in the world, then maybe mm-hmm. college, that's the time for you to hit it because you may not be that much better, you know, it, or you could maybe detract from your abilities if you if you stay in, if you went back to college. But only if you're going to be that successful, I think uh, you should come out without maybe going to college. But uh, because you never yeah. know. I mean, that uh, squash is a difficult, difficult sport. As you say, it's, for the top, you know, for the hundredth player in the world, it is not glamorous at all. No, no, no. <laughs> the money is not there as opposed to like tennis 
or other, you know, other sports like that. And uh, those top 100 players in tennis are doing okay for themselves, for sure. Mm -hmm. The top 100 player in squash is really not making a living, and uh, which is sad. I, but I think as the, the sport grows, hopefully professionals, squash will grow as well. And maybe bigger sponsors and more money will be funneled into the game. And I think the Olympics has a lot to do with that. I think if they're, they do get in in 2028, I think the exposure will really help. And the Olympics because, has a lot to do with that. And see yeah. the, the quality of the athletes and the, the quality of the game. And, you know, I, you'll get hooked. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, I, I'm always so uh, enamored by that high level of squash and, uh, and the quality of the athlete um, at that level. Um, so I don't know if you have any closing remarks, Shona, or anything you'd like just to a, say. This has been, you know, this has been a treat. It's been a treat to sort of air some of my thoughts with you. And, um, you know, I, mean, I feel like I could speak to you for like ever. I mean, there's so oh, many. Well, you're very easy to talk to. We could, we could, uh, <laughs> we could, we could debate anything. I'm pretty sure. But, um, and we will, I'm sure. I hope this connection can remain. Well, now that we, you know, we I'll probably come to some of the same uh, venues that you're at this year. Awesome. And uh, I will introduce myself. And uh, so, do. again, thank you very much. But uh, this has been really enlightening okay. because, uh, as you see and as we spoke about it, there's really not a lot of women who are in your position. And, uh, and especially, I mean, there's some current but especially back when you were getting started and uh, all the power to you. I'm so impressed and uh, I only wish you the best and uh, good luck on the, the, the meat of the season as it approaches. And uh, I'm sure your athletes are just getting back and uh, ready to roll. Yeah. And I would I say in closing that um, if there are, if, if anybody wants to reach out to me in terms of, uh, of, of trying to get into coaching or, or wants to pick my brain or use me as a resource. I'm more than willing. I'm an open book. Um, and if there are women out there, or girl, young girls out there with any questions at all, or they're not sure if they want to pursue a route, want to learn more. I, you know, I want to make sure that they know they, they really can reach out. My email's available online at Wesleyan. Uh, well, you, maybe you could tell them your email address if, if that's okay. And oh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just, it's my name. S K E R R at wesleyan.edu so, that's easy enough yeah please and, reach uh, out because we we need more we need more i think having both perspectives in the room having male perspective female perspective within within our community is only only healthy very good so be well be safe you too. and we'll speak to you soon awesome thanks so much uh, you're welcome night. Thank you for listening to the Two Dot Chronicles, hosted by Bruce Huberman and Miles McIntyre as themselves. The show is produced and engineered by me, James Spavelko. Theme song and incidental music created by Spavelko Music Services. Have a question, suggestion, or just want to say hello? Drop us a message at 908-977-6481 or send us an email at 2.media at gmail.com. That's T 
T-W-O-D-O-T-M-E-D-I-A. It may be featured in a future episode. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to The Two Dot Chronicles. We upload a new episode every month. Look for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. 